This episode of the Planet Microcap podcast is brought to you by Friedman LLP, a top 40 global accounting, tax, and business consulting and advisory firm, providing a full spectrum of services for public and private companies since 1924. Contact Friedman when you will need to raise capital and adhere to U.S. standards. The Friedman partners will work diligently with you to provide the financial assurance, regulatory, and transactional services you need. When the stakes are highest, Friedman makes sure you are well equipped. For more information and to get a Friedman free consultation, please call 856-830-1660 or email Neil Levine at N-L-E-V-I-N-E at FriedmanLLP.com. Again, for more information and a free consultation, call 856-830-1660 or email Neil Levine at N-L-E-V-I-N-E at FriedmanLLP.com. This podcast is for informational purposes only and is not an offer or solicitation of an offer to buy or sell securities. SNN Network, SNN Inc., and the Planet Microcap Podcast and the representatives are not licensed brokers, broker dealers, market makers, investment bankers, investment advisors, analysts, or underwriters. We do not recommend any companies discussed. We may buy and sell securities in any company mentioned and may profit in the event those securities rise in value. We recommend you consult with a professional investment advisor, broker, or legal counsel before purchasing or selling any securities referenced in this podcast. Welcome to the Planet Microcap Podcast. I'm your host, Robert Kraft. Thank you all so much for your support and for tuning in. You can follow Planet Microcap on Twitter at Bobby K. Kraft. That's B-O-B-B-Y-K-K-R-A-F-T. You're listening to episode 165. If you have any questions or comments, please feel free to tweet at me or shoot me an email at rcraft at snnwire.com. And when you do get a chance, if you like what you hear, please rate and review Planet Microcap on iTunes. It really helps provide feedback for me and spread the microcap message. Uh, Another reminder, like to let you all know to please save the date. Uh, the Planet Microcap Showcase Virtual is coming up on April 20 through 22nd, 2021. Uh, the website's live. We got our initial speakers and sponsors up there, many more to include. And we're also going to be announcing our initial presenting companies next week. So be sure to go on there, register so that you'll be notified as soon as that does happen. The website is www.planetmicrocapshowcase.com. Registration is open. Go click the register button, and I'm excited to see you all there. This week from the SNN Podcast Network, we have a new episode of In the Market Trenches with Gary Reby and Eric Fury coming this week. Our host welcomed guest Dave Waters to discuss his adventures looking at companies on the OTC markets. You can check out this episode on Apple, Spotify, YouTube, or Podbean at inthemarkettrenches.podbean.com. Now, for this episode of the Planet Microcap podcast, I spoke with Caitlin Cook. She is better known as at Dead Kate Bounce on Twitter and her incredible contributions to the FinTwit community. I'm a big fan and follower of Caitlin because she is all about education, where she is actively helping her generation and future generations understand finance and investing and have a damn good time doing it. As you will hear, we chat about the Gen Z investor where they find ideas, their relationship with the stock market, and then how we can make long-term, low-cost or boring investing cool. 
Uh, also, we joke a little bit about drinking and, and just really want to remind everyone that's listening, you know, we're just having fun here. So please drink responsibly and please don't drive while impaired. So thank you again for tuning in to episode 165 of the Planet Microcap podcast. And please enjoy my conversation with Caitlin Cook. Welcome back, everybody, to the Planet Microcap Podcast. I'm your host, Robert Kraft. You can follow me on Twitter at Bobby K. Kraft. That's B-O-B-B-Y-K-K-R-A-F-T. I almost forgot how to spell my last name, but that's okay. You know, I, I, I probably will after what I'm about to imbibe because my guest today, I'm very excited to have her on. I've been a follower for a long time. I think she's just, I, she's just incredible. We're about to get her whole story. I'm so excited to finally meet her and have her on the show. With that, I'd like to introduce Caitlin Cook. She goes by the Twitter handle at DeadKateBounce. That's C-A-I-T Bounce. You know, she, she's full of puns. We might get this might be like a full-on pun show today. But with that, Caitlin, thank you for joining me today. And how about a we'll do a cheers? Cheers. Yeah, cheers. Thanks for having me. Of course. Um, this is on brand, right? I mean, I don't have a cocktail on me today, but we'll we're we're going pseudo on brand. So cheers. And and off we go. So Caitlin, love to start, as I do with all my interview and all my guests on here, you know, I'd love to start off with your background. You know, how did your passion for investing and, you know, I'm also going to say passion for investing and Twitter begin. So with that, take it away. Yeah. So, I mean, I guess the interest in investing and everything when I was in high school, didn't know what I wanted to do for a major for college or anything, was bouncing around ideas, loved people. Um, had an affinity for math. So biz- the business direction sort of made sense, figured I could always switch that up if I wanted to a little bit later on. So signed up for the finance major, got into college in um, first things first, I got involved in our school's student run investment fund. So um, had around, around $500,000 and part of that being some of the school's endowment, which was kind of cool. So real money, um, students making full autonomy over all of the decision making in the portfolio. So they, they let everyone in the school in if anyone wanted to be there, whether you were a freshman, didn't matter what your major was. And just from the cool. first day, I was hooked. Um, I know I brought a lot of my friends with me and they they were like, I'm not coming back. But I <laughs> was really excited about it. And I just something about it. I didn't understand a single thing they said. And I just loved it. <laughs> I was like, I have a good feeling about this. So I stuck around, got involved the next time. Um, I did my undergrad three years, I guess. So I was around there for the next two years after that, was really involved. Um, and that's sort of where it started. And then I really enjoyed, you know, the regular like curriculum for finance as well. But where'd you go to school? Club was really screwed it. Oh, St. Bonaventure University in uh, St. Bonaventure, Bonaventure okay. New York, home of the Bonnies. Great place. <laughs> I mean, look, I know St. Bonaventure, they they always make it to the mark to the uh, to the, the the basketball tournament. Okay. That's how mm-hmm. I know Bonaventure. But, That's how um, most people know them. <laughs> it's very small. <laughs> That's awesome. So, okay. So you're there for three years. I mean, I'm sure you were reading all the books at the time. I mean, did you, did you pick up the one up on what you could say no to? That's totally cool as well. Um, I didn't, I didn't read a ton of them. I mean, for some classes I did, I was really interested in behavioral finance. So I've read a lot more books kind of in that space. Um, so not a ton of that, but to go back on your question for how I got interested in Twitter, also at college, um, 
my one of my favorite professors I was close with. I worked with him on a lot of stuff. Um, he was the kind of supervisor for the investment club too. Uh, Jim Mahar at Jim Mahar on Twitter. M A H A R. Got to give a shout out. Um, he he kind of nudged me in the right direction. I already, I mean, I'm a Gen Z. I had all of the social medias already, but I didn't really use Twitter that much. He told me, oh, this is something you might like. It's totally free and all of these really smart people just sharing their thoughts and research and you can reach out to them and they'll answer you like this. You love to network. This seems like something you'd be into. And so I got started that way. He gave me a couple people to follow. Um, We had regular speakers either come into class for our investment club or like zoom in every week. Um, So we got some people from Twitter on there to share their experience in the industry and just kind of give students a chance to learn about like that part of the industry that they're in and ask questions. So I definitely took advantage of that. had some people from Twitter on there. Um, Some of the people from like Ritholtz Wealth Management, um, we had a few of them, great guys. And that was sort of the intro. I guess when I started looking for jobs, I definitely started leveraging it a bit more. Um, my senior year, one of my friends that I made on the platform kind of encouraged me to start a blog and start sharing my thoughts that way, being more active in posting. And it sort of went from there. Uh, it's kind of taken a life of its own. Um, probably spend a little bit too much time on there now, but I think it's time well spent. And, you know, there's a lot to be learned from it too. So I wouldn't be on I'm, this podcast without it. So I mean, <laughs> I was just going to say, well, you know, for better or worse, I guess. Right. But, um, but, but, you know, look, I, I mean, the thing about Twitter that's been so amazing that, I mean, it's really taken on a life of its own. I mean, we were, ta- we were talking offline about, you know, I remember back in the stock twits days where like that was kind of a initial fintwit community. And then it really, the push I would say is in the last like three to four years where the fintwit community has just exploded to where Twitter is just such a great platform. I mean, better than I think anybody would have really imagined to share investing ideas in this short form, quick way. I'm, I'm sure there's some that are like, you know, well, you know, especially that are listening on this, that, you know, you wish you would continue to have, you know, to have podcasts and blogs so you can hear the long form thesis, right? So it's not just the quick hitter, like that idea sucks, you know, and be totally cool with it. But I mean, what, what are your thoughts? I mean, it's, it's so cool how it's evolved to the point that it is. It, it is really cool. And I think there are some things lost in translation with like the character limits, that's for sure. So I think there's, there's always going to be a place for long form. Um, so I'm glad that, you know, the really good content creators and writers and podcast hosts are still putting that out. There's going to be a place for that. But I think Twitter kind of, it, it's very multi-purpose in the way that, I mean, news is, it's one of the fastest ways that you can get news. I mean, how accurate is it? That kind of varies, but it definitely, information flow is incredibly fast. Um, it's always, I mean, the feedback loop on it is sort of addicting in a way that, um, you know, there's always something new coming up if you're following a lot of people. So it kind of brings you back that way. Um, just, I mean, I love scrolling back up and having new things come around. Um, but it has grown a ton, even in the few years that I've been on it and kind of trying to build a brand and build a network through it. It's, you've really seen it pick up, especially through COVID, I think is, I mean, probably the biggest surge for obvious reasons. Um, And a lot of people have been getting interested in investing since after the election. I think there are less kind of political focus and, you know, what are we going to look at next? So, well, the market's doing a lot of things. What are we going to look at there? And I think that's, especially in more recent months in the past year, it's really blown up. So that's really fun to see. Listen, we're going to stay there because you are my unofficial official Gen Z correspondent now. Like, congratulations, you have that title. 
please feel free to plaster wherever you'd like in your future office. It's there. I, it, you know, checks in the mail. So uh, the, I have to ask, I mean, you know, I, yeah, Reddit's been around even, you know, when I was younger, I'm not, I'm not that old, I'm only 32, but, but, you know, I was never a big Reddit guy, you know, yeah, for the occasional like Game of Thrones, you know, streams and threads because I'm a dork and love Game of Thrones and just would Me go too. down that road, <laughs> you know, and so, uh, you know, what, what do you make of what you're seeing with all this stuff? I mean, I know that's like the lamest question and the lamest way to ask it, but I have no other way to, to, to really start this off. Like, you know, from, from Reddit stuff to uh, now Clubhouse, I mean, teach me the ways. I don't know what I'm doing. I haven't figured out the Clubhouse thing either. I almost feel like tech, like tech challenged when I'm trying to explain it to people and trying to figure it out. I haven't really mastered that, but I mean, on the Twitter front, I'm, I mean, I don't know if this is sort of a tangent, but what's blown my mind more recently is people's reactions with, I mean, kind of on like GameStop and things like that. What's been spread through Reddit, Wall Street bets. And it's just, it's been really interesting to see people's reactions to it more than seeing what's happening. I mean, what's been happening lately is obviously crazy in itself, but I, I think people forget that the markets don't have to make sense and that like collectively large groups of people can move markets in ways that don't make sense with fundamentals and looking at technicals and things like that. So I, I've kind of had an interest in that just with like people being bored. I don't know if it's just people being bored at home and just deciding to mess around with Robin Hood or thing, anything around there. But that's what I've, I, I don't know. I've been most intrigued by that recently, personally. I mean, what blows my mind, and you probably feel the same way, is that like, you know, when those claims are made on CNBC and Fox Business about like, you know, there's the the Reddit army and all this stuff. I think the thing that I can, that's I have such a hard time wrapping my head around is like, wow, there's really that many people that found out about this from that, and then were able to move, you know, these four or five stocks the way it did. Like, that's incredible. I mean. I'm, that that's the part that I'm still trying to, you know, maybe I have a small brain. I just can't, you know, expand beyond just the small brainness of it. But really, like, it, it's just it, it. It's I can't believe it. You know, I mean, you you talk about with institutional ownership and some of these micro caps and like that tends to move markets once they go in there. And that you're like, oh, that makes sense. But with this stuff, you're just it, it's beyond any comprehension, at least right now. Yeah, I think when you and if you separate that, like you were saying, institutional, you know, ownership and things, it's it's almost easier to grasp that than it is considering yeah. how many individuals it would take to move a stock price that much. And it's what I what confuses me more is that it came from something so seemingly niche as like niche niche um, as Wall Street bets, which I I mean, I always had friends that used it, but I didn't think it was that big of a community, I guess, but they must have really all rallied behind that. And I know people that kind of jumped onto that trade a little bit later on, not initially, but kind of as it was on on the uprise um, that weren't using that. So it definitely stemmed from there. And I agree, it's kind of hard to process how that was even possible. Yeah, it's just, it's it still blows my mind. I mean, you know, not only that, you think about like how TikTok now has become such a major, like, place where I see this is the part that maybe you can help me understand it are, are people going on these platforms for ID generation or is it more just to see what everyone what what the big deal is about you you do you, you see what I'm saying yeah I and 
I think that it starts out is just kind of seeing what's out there, but you can't, you can't deny that once you're starting using those platforms more heavily, that it's going to influence you. I think even with Twitter, right? So people are always putting out investment ideas, what stocks they like, what funds or areas, sectors, anything. And as much as you want to stay independent and as much as people like to think that they're just using it for research purposes and having it for additional you know, kind of information along with what they normally do. I think at some point it's going to have an influence, especially if it's on a broader scale. So if something's repeatedly coming up on Twitter or TikTok, or you're going to take a second look. I think that kind of goes without saying. So even if that's not the reason that you're utilizing the platform, I think at some point, if you're using it enough and you're seeing things repeatedly, it's going to have an impact on kind of the decision making on your front. So again, as our again as our unofficial official Gen Z correspondent here, I mean, do have friends been hitting you up? And this is gonna sound so boomer of me, but I do not care. Like, do you have friends hitting you up, just being like, "Hey, I saw this stock on TikTok, or I saw this on Twitter. Like, what do you think about this? You know, is it? it are you? Do you get those types of messages and those types of conversations? I do, and I've been getting more of. Amazing. It's kind of funny. I I've gotten more on can you explain this to me like around like SPACs or um, like the NFTs or what's going, like what's a short squeeze. So it's been, it's kind of delayed for the people that I've been getting asked by aren't people that ever had were like business majors or anything in college. It's more kind of ancillary random people that you wouldn't have expected to. But I think it's sort of like a trickle down because it was definitely delayed. Like the news on GameStop. And then like a couple weeks later I got, people messaging me like what do you think about this stock like is it a good idea I'm like well it's a little, maybe a little late I don't know it's up x hundred percent in the year I don't know if that seems you know sustainable but that's your choice um or I think even if they're not really looking through traditional lenses at getting like market news or anything it trickles down through other kind of networks so that's what I found to be happening, at least on my end. I've gotten a lot of questions around stocks lately, though, in Robinhood. <laughs> oh, that, that must be fun. I, I mean, I mean, anybody that's in our position at this point, like, you're going to be getting the questions, like, what do you think about Robinhood, GameStop, mm -hmm. all this stuff? And it's, I mean, it's just, I mean, it's a phenomenon. There's no other way, really way to put it. And whether it's sustainable or not, I mean, I think the real question that you have, that I always ask myself is for those who, um, I don't know if they, whether or not they got in late or not, but just had never really paid attention to the stock market before, but now are really interested. Like, will they stay? That's, that's the question I keep asking myself. I don't know. What, what are some of your, your colleagues in the Gen Z space as Gen Z course, but no, I'm being really annoyed. I'll stop saying that. <laughs> but, but like, are, are they telling you like, Hey, we're in this for the long haul, but you know, maybe we're not looking at games. I don't know. I, it's been mixed. I've definitely had people reach out saying, Hey, I want to, I want to start investing on my own and which I think is great. Right. I think it's good to kind of have like an education around that and learn about it as you go, start with something small and kind of figure out, you know, what you want to do about it after that. Um, I, that's not everyone. I think some people were just more into the rush of like what's been happening recently. I don't see it being sustainable. I don't see them you know, managing their portfolios in five to 10 years from now, that's just me. Maybe they will, hopefully they do. But I think, I think a lot of people have just gotten caught up in the hype. I've never really, not that I've had, I'm like 23, how many times have I seen this happen? But I, I have never seen this much like chatter in more like general public spaces around investing um, as I have this year or like the end of last year. So 
I'm just very curious how it'll pan out in the long run. I think in the short term, it's good to get people excited about it, but also, you know, you want to have proper education around it too. So you're not, you know, if you're managing your money and you just have the expectation that stocks only go up or there just needs to be more due diligence than that. And that's the only concern I have with, you know, social media pushing all of this. I think it's a net positive, but you just need to be careful if you're just starting out too. I, a, amen right there. I, I don't think that could have been said better than anybody else out there. That was, that was great. So, all right, coming back to you, I want to learn more about Caitlin. So, okay. You did, did you, you had your three years at St. Bonaventure, you know, and, and you're developing your investing strategy you're in the club there, you know, so coming out of that experience, you know, where did you land on the investing philosophy uh, spectrum? You know, so what, 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 how would you describe yourself? I would describe it as boring. I I just, I've never really understood. I, I get that people, I have friends that, you know, they make a living as traders. So I understand that there is, you know, kind of like a livelihood that you can have around that, doing that all day. That's not me. I would like to have my money properly diversified, low cost for the most part, have a little bit of like fun money on the side, put it into stocks or funds. There's sectors that I'm interested in. Um, kind of as I go, because I could, you know, adjust that obviously, but for the most part, it's not really very exciting. I don't want to touch it that often. I don't want to look at it that often. I don't want undue stress on my life because even, even though I understand how the markets work and I I just see so many people freaking out, Oh, the market's down this much today. My portfolio is tanking. Well, that's one day. I, I think at some point there's like, um, like a need for concern, but I'm not going to be checking that every single day, multiple times a day and causing myself that stress when I'm a long-term investor. So I, my outlook is definitely very long-term. I'm not really trying to do like, you know, taking advantage of like arbitrage opportunities or low valuation stocks that I think are going to go up a ton. I just don't, I'm not going to focus my energy on that. I think it could be well spent, more well spent in other areas of my life. So that's just not not for me. <laughs> I'm, I'm in the same boat as you. I, I, that, that's the type of investor I, I, I am as well. And it's just, you know, I, I got to ask because I, so I did an episode on here with Brent B. Shore uh, at, permanent, uh, at Permanent Equity. I think that's Twitter. Um, but you, I think he goes by at Brent B. Shore on Twitter as well. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, we did this episode called Boring is Beautiful. Now, Caitlin, I have to ask, you know, for our generation, both millennials and Gen Z, how can we make boring beautiful? How can we make it fun and exciting? Because that's what I, I you know, I, I try and make these as entertaining as I can, you know, but like, how can we make boring beautiful in the investing space? For I wish our I generation. knew. I really wish I knew. Let's do this. Let's brainstorm right now. Let's <laughs> yeah. figure this out. We'll, we'll figure am. it out. We got drinks. We got time. <laughs> Anything can be done with a good drink and a little extra time. But <laughs> uh, I think a lot of it comes around like educating people because I think the misconception is, you're going to be, I, I mean, for the people that don't have more of like a structured background in business or finance and investing, oh, well, I can, you know, make this short bet on this company. It might be a little bit risky, but after that, I won't have to worry again or something like that. I mean, maybe that's a little bit um, exaggerated, but there's definitely a lot of misconceptions around the stock market and the get rich quick. Um, and I think that appeal, it's very flashy, it's sexy, it appeals to people. I get it. And but it's been around forever. Yeah. It's been around forever. I don't think it's going away. I kind of wish it would um, for like the general population because, you know, I think boring is better. Um, But I mean, there's a difference between trading and investing too, right? People are like, I want to, I want to invest some of my own money. Like people my age that I went to college with are reaching out to me. How do I invest my own money? 
and they're like, I'm looking at these stocks. And I'm like, well, if you're looking in the, there's a difference between, you know, kind of trading these different stocks day to day that you like after a couple weeks or a couple months and investing for 20 years down the road. So we need to start there. And there's a difference and kind of clarify what your goals are and what you want to be doing with that, first of all. So I think a lot of it comes from like proper education around it, but I don't know on a bigger scale how, you know, amenable people will be to kind of taking the time to do that. I don't know, like in mass, if people will come around. I hope they do, but I don't know if that's really something that people like the broader population would take to as well. Right. Yeah. I mean, at the end of the day, like, I mean, you're right. I mean, at the end of the day, it's, it's really hard to, I mean, cause that's been a stigma with, with the stock market and just investing in general that, I mean, this is, this is how people sell newsletters. I mean, there's a whole, there, there's a whole ecosystem around this idea of getting rich quick, you know? So it, it, that, that's probably something that will be very hard to get rid of per se, just completely. But I think you're right. I mean, just trying to get some kind of education out there about how investing isn't just, you know, investing today and selling in a couple months because you're making a bet on uh, their clinical trial doing great, you know, which, which is, a, which is a, a system, but you have to be very well. Again, it's another thing. It's like, it, it's just like I, I did an interview with Annie Duke and, and, and uh, you know, talking about just knowing your strategy and owning that, you know? So I think, I think it, it, maybe it's a better philosophy of instead of saying, getting rid of just the idea of the stock market and investing in general is all about getting rich quick, but maybe it's just educating on like own a strategy, you know, don't just, yeah, just having some sort of discipline or something like that. That could work. I don't know. Yeah. I think you just need to stick to your guns and like behavior. I'm a big, like, again, behavioral finance. If you look like psychologically speaking, staying true to what you're core strategy is from the beginning. It's so difficult to do. You have to be mentally prepared for that. And I think that's where a lot of people sort of lack in that space or where the downfall is. So first of all, understanding where your what your strategy is, sticking to it. Um, and just, I mean, that's just the biggest thing is like conquering yourself almost mentally, at least like, oh, the market's doing all these crazy things. There's so much volatility. I can make money off of that. But you're like a long term investor that doesn't match with your what your investment philosophy is. Yeah, you could have a little fun money on the side, but it's a different thing. And you need to acknowledge that what you're doing deviates from your strategy. So I not that I am, you know, an expert or anything, but I do think that that's probably the biggest downfall is kind of like psychological. I don't want to say psychological weakness because we're all human, but there's definitely some behavioral lapses that cause issues with, you know, people sticking to their guns. So that's probably, I think that's probably one of the biggest issues. What do you think is the type of content that would work for, for our generation? You know, that like, is it, is it, is it just a million TikTok videos on, you know, just in like a fun, interesting way where it's like, bang, 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 you know, you know how TikTok works, right? But Mm -hmm. of course you do, you know, or like, I, I mean, as much as I want to write a book on, you know, all um, whatever, uh, when it comes to investing at the same time, I'm thinking to myself, I want my core audience to be this next generation because I want them to learn about all these amazing opportunities and ways in which they can build their wealth. You know, what, what, what is that content? You know, is it, is it the TikTok? Is it more Twitter threads? I mean, what's working that you're saying? I, I think, I mean, you need to know your audience, right? And Gen Z is definitely very, you know, social media savvy. They're checking that 
pretty, I, just very tech savvy. So I think it needs to be something quick. It needs to be something snappy. I don't think the attention span is there on a broad scale to be, you know, writing. You could write a great book, right? But it's not, I don't know if that's necessarily going to hit the target audience that you think it will. Um, I, I mean, I, I read books, but I don't know if that's, you know, I also love Twitter and seeing threads or I, I'm not a TikTok fan, I'll be honest, but I know about it enough because most of my friends are huge TikTok fans. So I do think it needs to be something quick and easily absorbable. So it could be a series of something on Twitter, TikTok, Instagram, anything, but I don't know if the long form necessarily works as well with that group. Yeah. It would like, as well. Yeah, no, like, cause I'm even thinking of like, you know, the long form, like YouTube videos too. Like, I mean, I guess, I mean, YouTube series are still a thing, right? Like people still, you know, have their favorite YouTubers and uh, despite, you know, now wanting more short form stuff, but I mean, is it, is it getting some more of those influencers, maybe that aren't necessarily on the finance side and getting them to start to put out more content on that? I don't know. That, that, that could be another thing. I mean, network effect. I think that yeah. big, you know, big accounts, if you can leverage them for some good instead of just, you know, I mean, like, you know, lifestyle posts, things around that. I, if you can get them on board with that, I think it'd be great because you're reaching different audiences. It's not the fin, the fin twit people who are already interested in the space. It's people who probably need it more, who never really looked into it that formally, but need the education around it or could benefit from it. So if you could get people on board or like influencers that have a mass following to sort of promote it, I don't know how you'd go about it, but I think that that could work too. Got it. Look, and for anybody listening right now that's expecting us to do like a deep dive on investing strategy and something different, listen, you should, the benefits you're getting right now from this interview, I hope is understanding the mindset of the Gen Zer. I just, I wanted to do a quick disclaimer. If anybody was like, wait, where's the philosophy strategy? No, we're, we're going full deep dive into how we can access the Gen Z. Okay. That's what's anyways going on from there. So, you know, is there any platforms we're missing right now in terms of that, that is new and up and coming that um, the Gen Z generation is really looking to for, for, I guess, finance and investing ideas? I don't think so. I Are I they on Clubhouse yet? I don't know if they're on. I mean, TikTok's a big one. I don't think Clubhouse has really sat well with that group per se, at least from what I've noticed in like the short term. Um, I think that's kind of more industry professionals, people a little bit later on that are more established for the yeah. most part. Again, like I, I'm on Clubhouse and I know some people my age are, but majority wise, I think more TikTok, um, Instagram, Twitter, um, the only thing, I mean, if you could access things like Robinhood, but I don't know how that's possible. I think personally, my, they need to be putting out more educational content and be, absolutely. It's, it's, it goes without question. I have no idea how that's even been like, I don't know, like from the legal side, but how are they not being made to, with the audience that they're attracting? How are they not being forced to provide more educational content? If that could be cracked, I think that'd be great because you're getting a lot of people on there that just don't understand what they're doing when they do it. And yes, when you start out investing, there's going to be a lot of fumbles, but I think that at some point they still need to be called responsible to at least like baseline knowledge. And like, this is what you're doing. This is what margin is. So before letting people access that. So <laughs> even if it's not hardcore courses, they need to have something there. And yeah. I don't think they have. So I couldn't agree with you more. 
I, they, I, the fact that there hasn't been more education, more content around their platform, it just blows my mind. It's just so silly. Now, I wanted to, quick divergence. Yesterday was International Women's Day. And you put out on Twitter today that we should be sell this, this shouldn't just be a one day thing. Couldn't agree more. I want to celebrate women every day. I'm so thankful for all the women in my life. Now, you know, one, one of the things that is, it's, it grind, it's, it's just, it's, it just sucks. I guess let's just put it out there. It sucks is that you want more, you just want more diversity of thought. You know, that that's, we're not just talking about women. We're also talking about people of color. Just, we want more diversity of thought because that can only add more to the conversation and help us under, look at maybe ideas in a completely different way. That's really what we're talking about. So, you know, Maya Peterson wrote a great book uh, about light, you know, our lighthouses. I'm sure, I'm sure you've heard of it, you know, so I'd love for you on, you know, on what should also be International Women's Day because every day is Women's Day. Who are some of your your hero investors that are women? And 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 love to and make sure you tag, give us their their handles and everything, so people out there can go and follow them as well. Yeah, I you know I mean they all come from Twitter just because that's you know who I interact with the most, and it's it it goes a little bit further from like strictly investors just to people in the industry in general. Um, I'm gonna yes. butcher some of these names though. Shannon Sikocha. Probably said that wrong. She's like a CNBC contributor. She's the CIO of Boston Private that just got um, acquired by Silicon Valley Bank. She's phenomenal. Um, had a talk with her last week, so she's definitely kind of someone that I'd aspire to be more like. Um, Julia Carrion, a really good friend of mine. She's going to be on the podcast soon for yes, you, I know. Will. And she's more in like the implementing technology into kind of more traditional wealth management spaces for bigger financial institutions, but huge like big promoter of Gen Z and the next generation's technology disrupting kind of what's currently set in place. She's amazing. Um, really inspirational. She's done a ton with her career. Um, so she's definitely another one. Christy Hamilton. She's an institutional allocator. I, that was a space I've been interested in a really long time. I think she's great as well. Um, who else? I mean, there's so many. That's that's the nice thing about Twitter is a lot of them do pop up on there, which is great. I mean, it's so there's a ton more men, but the women that are on there are sensational. And they're really, sensational. really great. Sensational. Incredible. Yeah. I, I, I'll shout out a few of that have been on the pod. Liz Simi, just absolutely brilliant. Amazing. <laughs> absolutely. I, that was one of my favorite episodes I've ever done. Like she I love is, listening to that one. Yeah, so she's cool. incredible. Perth Toll, incredible. Lauren Templeton. My Peters, I mean, the, uh, I had Anna Najai-Kanti on here. I mean, just there, there's there's just so, so many incredible voices out there. So I, I challenge all fellow podcasters out there, get these women on. Get them on your shows. You should because they're all just brilliant. And so including Caitlin, you got to get Caitlin on there as well. So um, also love to hear a story. Okay, Caitlin. So I, it's one of my favorite questions that I ask all, all my guests on here. You know, what, what would you say is an investing experience? And it doesn't have to necessarily be in a stock. It could it could be a class. It could be, a, you know, uh, something you learn from a professor on Twitter. You know, what's an experience that you've had thus far in your career that really has impacted you the most? So one of the courses I took with, again, the professor I shouted out before, he taught, he's a huge behavioral finance guy too. And that really, I already loved you know, the whole finance space markets. I loved how 
um, everything was changing at the flip of a dime. That's kind of how I roll. I'm very, you know, like to be active. I like things changing dynamics. So I already was really interested in the space, but he taught a strictly behavioral, like behavioral finance course. And it was totally elective, but I knew that I had really kind of liked that from what little I had learned and like some books I had read, maybe stuff I had seen on Twitter from some psychologists that work in finance. Um, and that really stemmed so much more interest for me in the whole space. I had never, like, again, I know we talk about like, I'm, I'm like a boring investor, long-term, very plain vanilla, keep it simple. I just, it really has impacted how I, you know, all these crazy daily things that have been happening, like the short squeezes and everything with Wall Street bets, everything recently, it's kind of come to fruition. But I just learning from that behavioral finance class, just the way that markets aren't necessarily what makes sense with valuations and all of the models you make in Excel. It's just how people interact with money. And the sooner that you realize that and the more that you remind yourself of that when you see things going kind of haywire day to day, which they have done that quite a lot in the past year, um, it just makes everything so much more interesting. There's a lot more to it. It really, I, I think that that's sort of what spurred, I mean, further interest in the space, I guess, um, and wanting to learn more. Because when you frame it that way, like more of a psychological perspective and just dealing with people and how they make decisions and they may not be making rational decisions, but you still kind of have to deal with the implications of that. I, that's probably one of the more impactful experiences I've had. Um, just because once you learn all of those things and sort of how humans think and how they make decisions and how that impacts the markets, it really brings everything together and it made it a lot more interesting for me. So I think it's really fun. I know that's not everyone's cup of tea, but I, that just made me 10 times more interested in all of it. Listen, we're already going to brand you as making boring cool. Uh, <laughs> like that person for investing, if that's total, if that's okay with you, mm-hmm. because that's, that's what uh, it just, it, it's so refreshing. I'm sorry. It's just so refreshing to meet somebody your age that, and I don't mean to be like that old guy, like your age, <laughs> but I think, I think there's enough age disparity where like, I can say that. So like, it's just refreshing. Like that you like the boring stuff. I, I don't know. I just, sorry. As a microcap guy, the Peter Lynch guy, like, you know, it, that, that's just, uh, it's just, it's just so cool. I'm so, I'm, it makes it, it brings a smile to my face knowing that like, you just love the boring stuff. It just, it, love the boring. <laughs> uh, it's just, uh, it's the best. But by the way, before I get to my next question, how can I forget? Also shout out to Meredith Brill, one of the most brilliant women investors out there, investors in general. And uh, just the best. I, I highly recommend you go and follow at Lockstock Barrel. Caitlin, you got to talk to her. She's she's one of, probably one of the best microcap investors out there currently. Just brilliant. Follow her after the show. <laughs> Def, definitely do. And so uh, wh- what else are we missing right now, would you say? Sorry, that was a quick divergence, but um, here we go. What, what else are we missing right now when it comes to understanding this Gen Z investor? Is there anything? Did we cover everything? You know, I think we covered how they find ideas you know, looking at it, new ideas, you know, is there, is there anything we're missing? I guess the only thing I'd say, so I, and I guess we can say, but I work in asset management. I work with advisors every day. I'm selling product to them and, you know, whatever solutions fit best for their clientele and everything. And I, what I've noticed the most, and again, I, I listened to the Liz Simi, you know, podcast you did with her. She's awesome. I love following her. Um, But one thing I've noticed specifically around like the ESG space, and that's, you know, building momentum and everything. And you can kind of 
argue amongst yourselves whether or not I think it needs to be more streamlined because there is kind of a lot of definitions of it and people kind of just greenwashing and things. That's just another episode in itself. But I was just going to say that what I've noticed from specifically with ESG and things, I mean, things are changing so fast and what people don't, I think, and I don't want to like stand, like generalize it too much, but a lot of like more, more like the older generations, I don't think they understand the impact that Gen Z and like the younger generations will have. When you think about the huge wealth transfer that you're going to see in the coming decades, two decades of where the wealth coming from older generations, they passed away, whatever. And that's just going down the line to women, to Gen Z's, to millennials. It's just passing down. And I don't think that people in the space always kind of think of that um, ahead of time, but they're going to have a huge impact. They're going to have all of the money in their hands soon, and they're going to be making huge moves in the space. And there some places that are a little bit more traditional aren't really making changes to kind of accommodate that. Um, like you think of even with cryptocurrencies, right? Like there's not really even any infrastructure to support that from a traditional wealth management front right now. I mean, it's in the works from different firms, but there's, I mean, things are changing fast. It's what the younger generations are interested in. And I think that the older sort of older generations, ones that have been in the space a little bit more need to be paying more attention to that because at some point there's going to be a huge impact. And even if it's not right now, it is years down the line, you're going to benefit from readying for that, if that makes sense. So I just think needs to be more forward thinking because there's a big wave coming of change, I would say, in the coming years. Yeah, yeah, I, that sounds about right. I mean, what else is there to really say, right? Like it's this this generation is like it's it's here, you know, they're actively investing the access to investing is easier than it's ever been before. Robinhood's not going to be the last uh, platform to offer free, you know, to, to have a, you know, you know, someone's in the lab right now. I'm sure there's other platforms that I'm just blanking on that are doing similar things that are offering up in a better way, hopefully, um, hopefully. And, you know, so you have to start thinking to yourselves, well, you really got to take this next generation very seriously because this is, these are real investors that have, varying kinds of strategies with real dollars you know you got to take that seriously right you know yeah i i think just need to kind of ruminate on that a little bit more because even if it doesn't seem like that much now oh yeah younger kids with robin hood with like some money from their parents but it's not that much it's not going to move things i think that needs to um <laughs> i think that needs to be taken into account a little bit more just because even if it's not that big now it's going to grow into something bigger down the line like these people are still young think of when you were like in your 20s yeah you may not have had as much to invest but if you had started on it then and had been interested in it and just have that accumulate and build up over the years that's going to turn into something bigger and there's going to be kind of momentum building and a bigger impact down the line so um, even if it doesn't seem big now it's, it will be i mean on that point i'm probably like the most wealthy hindsight investor you've ever met you know, like I think there's a daily basis that I go back like, oh, if I bought Apple in 2001, oh, if I only bought <laughs> Facebook here or whatever, you know, but um, one, one more tangent to go on here on this point is it, it's, this is just kind of a thought piece, but it's kind of interesting where like, I, I generally think, yeah, there's going to be some uh, Gen Z investors, just investors in general that are going to drop off. Like, you know, screw this, like I lost money. I bought at the top. That was dumb. Never going back again. Or, but there's going to be some that did that and or bought earlier that are going to stick around because they're like, okay, I made money. 
I want to understand and, and do this better. But they're also investing in names that I think everybody and their mother could probably argue like, yeah, really ran past what probably their valuation should be. And yet, you know, you have to ask yourself, like, these might be people that will continue to hold these stocks and not care that if, if it takes a 50% haircut for some sort of macro reason, you know, or some kind of reversion to the mean, you know, as, as professionals in this industry that maybe are listening here, or some that are still kind of figuring out, you know, how do you think about that then when it comes to some of these stocks? I, I'm, I'm sure you've thought about this already. I think you actually, I think you put out a few tweets on this. Yeah, I mean, at some point- I was going to name names, by the way. I, I was <laughs> going to name, name any names. names. <laughs> <laughs> You've got to think, I mean, if you're kind of know a little bit more about the industry or work within it, you know, something's probably got to give at some point. Um, I mean, there's going to be people that drop off. Um, I think that goes without saying, but I don't know. Like, I, I hope that those people sort of branch off into different- more than just like those huge traditional stocks that are more like getting the headlines right now. I hope that that's what happens. Um, I don't know. I mean, I think there's sort of the, some of those stocks that everyone just wants to buy all of like the big names, like the apples, the, you know, all of those, but I don't know. I think, I think we've got to wait and see, but I've definitely thought about it. I wish I knew, but yeah. I'd probably have a lot more money right now if I could predict, you know, what's going on. I feel like everyone says that, but I wish I knew more. <laughs> this is, I, yes, we're all, yeah, I, I, I agree. Yeah, no, I mean, it, it's one of those things that it, you kind of, I don't know, I, I've never, this is something I haven't seen before and, and in other ones. It's just like, whole, you know, the holding. I mean, I guess this is a whole crypto <laughs> thing around it, but like, you know, that holding mentality. Hey, I was victim to it when I played around in crypto a little bit. I was just like, yeah. let's go. Well, you know, not, I wasn't a to the moon guy, but like, you know, mm -hmm. I was a holder and, um, you know, but like, uh, so yeah, so I just, it, it, it's interesting to see that now in stocks on, in names that you'd be like, Hmm, like that, you know, whether not saying any dig at the company or anything, but like, it's clearly trading at a very high premium, you know? So it's just, mm -hmm. it's just interesting. It's just interesting to see if that will or will not change or if that, if this, you know, we should ask Jamie Catherwood, if this is anything, is this anything new, right? Like is mm -hmm. <laughs> markets are frothy. Wow. People think that it's going to keep going up. Like, is this shocking? This happened as this, this happened before, but I don't know. It's a new generation. So I don't know if, they, if they're aware of that. Yeah. I think it'll take time, but what is it that history doesn't repeat, but it rhymes? I'm sure this has happened some, before in some way. Um, I mean, it, and like the, hold, what is it? Hold on for dear life, the hodl thing. Um, I mean, that's, something's got to give with that at some point. Like there's no, I mean, people are going to come around and do more research and find other things they're interested in or want to realize the gains or just, I I don't see that. That's not sustainable forever. I don't. I just don't see that happening for a lot of people realistically once they kind of see how much they've made off of some of these things potentially. And even if they hadn't, I mean, reinvest that into something else. If they're interested in the stock market, hopefully they'll be looking into other things and other opportunities that they kind of want to roll that over into. So, I mean, who's to say, but that's optimistically speaking. Optimistically speaking. There you go. <laughs> All right. Well, Caitlin, you know, look, we're, we're getting close to the end here. You know, I also have to ask you're so early in your career. I mean, you're, you, you're just, you're just getting started with everything. What are some of your goals? You know, what, what, what do you, what do you hope to achieve? And, you know, obviously get be, be wealthy, of course. Right. I'm sure, I'm sure that's 
it's like like one and two for all of us in some respects. Um, but you know, what what are some of your goals in, in being and investing in finance? I mean, money is always. I mean, anyone who says that money just really does not matter in any way is probably lying. I mean, there's there's a base need for that. So of course, that's you're going to want more of it. I definitely do. I'm not ashamed to say that. I think most of us would admit that. Um, so I mean, yeah, from that perspective, I you know, like to like to make a lot of money and like to eventually kind of have had the type of career that a little bit later on, I could sort of go into more like entrepreneurial endeavors and kind of be, I don't know, like angel investing or just something that's a little bit more like, oh, I'm interested in this space. How, how can I help but not be the one sort of doing all of the legwork on that, but being in it? Um, I don't know if that makes sense, but um, I mean, before then, I, you know, I'm in corporate America now. I think eventually, you know, I know a lot of people make great careers out of that. I think I'm a little bit more, you know, I'm an idea person. I, I'd like to, you know, do something on my own at some point. I don't know what that is. If I had that million dollar idea right now, I'd be doing it. So it's not there yet. Um, I think that I, you know, with the audience I have, hopefully that keeps growing. I'd like to build something out of that. Um, like social media is powerful. Anyone who says otherwise is probably one who's underutilized it. So they don't really have a good, you know, not a good person to listen to on that. So want to capitalize on the platform I have, hopefully continue to grow it. And I don't know, do something for myself at some point, but I just got to keep thinking of ideas, something I'm passionate about. So we're not there yet. It's probably a little bit down the road, but that's, you know, what I'd like to be doing in, I don't know, five to 10 years. I mean, look, for, for what it's worth, I think you're well on your way. I'm a huge fan. I, I love the presence that you're creating. And it's a very, it's a very positive, positive experience that I think you're putting out there for people that, you know, not just people like me who fall in markets forever and whatever, but, but also for, for newbies, you know, that, that don't have as much experience. I mean, I think, I think it's, I think it's a really cool thing that you're putting out there and, and, and putting it to the universe. So I'll, on behalf of everyone, I hope it's cool if I say it, but thank you for continuing to do that and, and keep doing it. So, um, but before I let you go, my last question for you, what advice do you have for new investors that are looking into the stock market or just investing in general? Stay the course. You're going to fumble. It's just, it's, in, it's inevitable. If you're doing anything worth doing, there's going to be failure at some point. So just don't let that deter you. We've all been there. And if we haven't been there, we will be there. So that just goes without saying not everything's like a smooth course. So just expect that it might be bumpy at the beginning. But I think just educating yourself as much as possible, you want to be well informed, especially with the markets. I mean, there's a lot of people doing a lot of different things. and It may not make sense, but to at least be well equipped on kind of the, the baseline knowledge, the fundamentals. Um, basic finance. Those are things that are always good to know. And it's going to translate into other parts of your life too. So just try to absorb it. I guess I just tell younger people and I younger people, I guess I can't really say that, but just be a sponge. <laughs> I think that's probably the best thing. Newer, you can do. newer, so, newer people. Yeah. Newer. newer people. So just be a sponge. <laughs> I think that's what's benefited me the most is like kind of interacting with people who have done it before getting their take, like culminating a bunch of different opinions like that from different people and kind of making your own take on that and taking a twist on it. Um, that's, I think just as much exposure as possible, as possible, like network wise and just, you know, regular reading up and doing your homework wise is the best thing that you can do. Very cool. Amen to that.
All right. Now, last thing before I let you go, I need, I, I keep saying, you know, that's not, um, we're talking about on brandness and stuff like that, but you know, we're talking about, you know, you, you like to have the libation every so often. So what are, what are we drinking today? What, what was, I, I don't think we said what it exactly was at the beginning. So what, what, what are we drinking today? We didn't. I, this is my fallback. It's just a class. You can't see my glass, but it's just a classic gin martini with okay. just dry vermouth gin, and then I put lemon in mine. I'm not an olive fan. So I, I'm coming around to it. I'm just not, that's not my thing still. I'm working on it. It's a process, but I put lemon in my martinis. So that's what I'm drinking right now. That's kind of my go-to if I don't know what to make because it's so easy. All right. Okay. I know I said I was going to let you go, but I just thought of a cool, fun idea that we could do. Okay. If, if the cocktail you're drinking was a stock, what would it be? This is a new game. We're doing this. We're doing this once a week. I like this game. Here we go. All right. I do too. I think it has to be a value stock though, just because you can't, it's, it's like for the long run, I think I will be drinking this. It may not always hit the same on different days, but in the long run, it's stable. It, it's exactly what I expect it to be. Sometimes it's disappointing, but, you know, it is what it is. There's some flashy <laughs> other drinks that I could be drinking, but I'm always going to come back to this. I don't know. Like, what? I mean, it has to be something around, like, the Berkshire Hathaway front, I feel, on the value investing side. So, huh. You have any thoughts on that? I'm trying to narrow it down. <laughs> well, the value space, for sure, because this thing just a... I would say we're going on the theme of old reliable, right? Like mm -hmm. I'd say in general. So like for me, that would be like an old fashioned, old reliable, mm -hmm. really hard to fuck it up. Pardon my friends. Yeah. Really hard to fuck it up. And, um, and yeah, just your classic value name. You know, it's going to compound nice. Some years it's going to be great. Other years it's going <laughs> to be not as great, but you know, over the long term, that's your old reliable drink that you could always go to. So mm -hmm. I think that, I think, I think Berkshire is a good one. I think that, yeah. I think that works. I think that works for, is it, what is it, did you say it was gin gin and tonic it's a yeah. gin martini gin martini so just, yeah just gin and dry vermouth and then lemon juice i think we're gonna i think i think from i think note to the editor i think we're gonna put this at the beginning this is a this is a better pti topic than than uh than, than uh just doing a cheers like we got to go on that route i think people oh yeah the people want to know that stuff so <laughs> gotta know that up front <laughs> yeah that, that's really this is really important so with that, Caitlin, where can everybody go and follow you on social media and continue to hear all your just follow you? Yeah, well, Twitter is the biggest one. So again, that's at Dead Kate Bounce, Kate being C A I T. Um, and then I also have an Instagram for my cocktails. We didn't really talk about it today, but I make a lot of cocktails, working on a potential book. Don't want to oversell it, maybe. It's a goal. Um, there's an Instagram though, and that is at dead Kate C A I T cocktails. So that's right. more just starting up, but that's kind of like a little off branch of the Twitter just to have a separate space for it. So. Gotcha. You know, I, I want, I, at some point I did want to get into it, but at the same time we were just jamming so just hard. Another on rabbit hole. So that's another time. <laughs> uh, that'll be another time. Yeah. I mean, we were jamming on the behavioral finance, you know, perspective of Gen Z investors. Like I think, that's, that's just, that's, I'm sure we could do another couple hours on that. But with sure. that, Kaylin, thank you so much for joining me today. I, I, I'm sure we'll have you back on at some point, but I, I really enjoyed speaking with you today. No, it was fun. Thanks for having me. Thank you.
This podcast is for informational purposes only and is not an offer or solicitation of an offer to buy or sell securities. SNN Network, SNN Inc., and the Planet Microcap Podcast and the representatives are not licensed brokers, broker dealers, market makers, investment bankers, investment advisors, analysts, or underwriters. We do not recommend any companies discussed. We may buy and sell securities in any company mentioned and may profit in the event those securities rise in value. We recommend you consult with a professional investment advisor, broker, or legal counsel before purchasing or selling any securities referenced in this podcast. This episode of the Planet Microcap Podcast is brought to you by Friedman LLP, a top 40 global accounting, tax, and business consulting and advisory firm, providing a full spectrum of services for public and private companies since 1924. Contact Friedman when you will need to raise capital and adhere to U.S. standards. The Friedman Partners will work diligently with you to provide the financial assurance, regulatory, and transactional services you need. When the stakes are highest, Friedman makes sure you are well-equipped. For more information and to get a Friedman free consultation, please call 856-830-1660 or email Neil Levine at N-L-E-V-I-N-E at FriedmanLLP.com. Again, for more information and a free consultation, call 856-830-1660 or email Neil Levine at N-L-E-V-I-N-E at FriedmanLLP.com.